Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I am Pam Barnhill, and I am here today with our very special guest host this season, Miss Colleen Kessler. Colleen, welcome. Thanks, Pam. It's nice to talk to you again. Yeah, it is. And so now we're into September here in the homeschooling world. Well, actually the whole world, but you know, (laughs) in the homeschooling world too. And everybody is, I think, probably just about back to school by now. You know, we start way back in July because the weather is just so hot where we are. But you've even started back at this point and you have a special little tradition that you have for back to school. What is that? So we usually start our school year the day that our district goes back to school. And this year, I traveled a little bit and we had a couple things going on. So we started a little bit later. But every year, we start our school year with a not back to school day. We start our official year and the kids wake up and there's usually like a gift, some new board games, some new notebooks, some other things waiting for them at their table. And we bypass the table altogether and we go out for donuts. And we head to Dunkin' Donuts, and we have big breakfast out, and then we come back home and tear into all the fun stuff, new notebooks and crayons and colored pencils and board games, and then we just have a whole game day to celebrate not back to school. And this year, we invited some friends over, and they came to Donuts with us and played games with us all afternoon afterwards. Lots of fun. That sounds like an awesome tradition. We do donuts, but we actually put our nose to the grindstones. Probably the difference in our personalities here. But I kind of like it your way. Maybe I'll try that next year and we'll do the not back to school day. So that's a lot of fun. Well, tell me a a little bit about your guest today on the podcast. So today I interviewed a dad, actually. I interviewed Mark Tilsher. He is the dad behind the Junior Moneymakers podcast, and you can find him at JuniorMoneyMakers.com, where he shares a lot of ideas about how to grow young entrepreneurs, growing kids to build businesses, create businesses, and look at the world from the perspective of changing things for the better through business ideas. Oh, I love this. You know, being an entrepreneur myself, I love teaching my children kind of these, the skill set that entrepreneurs need and showing them that really the world is just open to them and what they can do and they can be happy and fulfilled serving others and helping others and making that their life's work as an entrepreneur. So I'm really excited about this topic. I think you're going to love it because one of those things that you said in there, the service orientation, Mark talks about a lot that the best businesses and the most successful entrepreneurs are people who look at that business from a perspective of service, serving others and making other people's lives better in the process. Oh, I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation. Okay, we will get right to it after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast is brought to you by Maestro Classics. Visit maestroclassics.com for free shipping on all CDs and MP3s, which start at just $9.98. Order today and save 17% with coupon code PAM. Add classical music to your homeschool with Maestro Classics CDs, MP3s, and activity books. 
These nationally recognized recordings feature engaging storytellers with the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Choose from a dozen titles, including Carnival of the Animals, My Name is Handel, The Story of Water Music, and one of the Barnhill family favorites, Peter and the Wolf. Each CD and MP3 includes a 24-page activity book with illustrations, puzzles, games, and fun facts for the kids. At maestroclassics.com, you can download free printables and curriculum guides to supplement each recording and combine classical music with other school subjects. All CDs and MP3s contain educational tracks which explain how the music was made, who the composer was, the history and story behind the music, the instruments used by the orchestra, and most importantly, how to listen. Visit maestroclassics.com for free shipping on all CDs and MP3s. They start at just $9.98. And as a Homeschool Snapshots listener, you can save 17% off your order today with the coupon code PAM. Learn more at maestroclassics.com. That's maestro spelled M-A-E-S-T-R-O classics.com, where the best classical music curriculum awaits your homeschool. And now, on with the podcast. Mark Tilshire and his wife, Angela, have four children, all homeschooled. An experienced business owner, Mark is the commandant of an accredited leadership academy and the founder of a fun and innovative podcast called Junior Moneymakers. On the podcast, Mark teaches the basics of entrepreneurship, gives practical tips for starting kid-friendly businesses, and best of all, interviews actual kid entrepreneurs and their parents about their real-life business ventures. Mark, welcome to the show. Colleen, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I'm really looking forward to the show. I've got a couple budding entrepreneurs myself, so I'm hoping to glean some information to share with them. Awesome. We can encourage them. I hope that they can learn a lot too. This is going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be fabulous. Tell me um, and the listeners a little bit about your family. Okay. So we have kind of a crazy family. So uh, I'll give you our story, but you're going to have to hold on. So uh, my wife and I were born in California and uh, we've both been married for 16 years and we were born about 20 minutes away from each other. And uh, then we both went our own separate ways. And when we were about 21 years old, we met up in Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, we found each other there and, and we've been together ever since. And somehow we ended up living right now. We live in Germany and we've been in, living in Europe for uh, a really long time, 13 years now. And so we have four kids together and they're all really amazing. So we have one son, uh, his name is Justice and he's 13. And then all of my other daughters, I have three daughters and their initials are all KT. And so they're ages 11, four and 12. And so they're pretty amazing kids. We're really, really proud of them and, and spending time with them. It's probably our favorite thing to do out here. Our house, we own a home here and we have about an acre of land and it sometimes kind of looks a little bit like a farm. And so we have a really cool farm dog, Brinkley, who everybody loves. And over the last couple of years, we've done things like uh, bred rabbits out here and chickens. Uh, we've had guinea pigs and hamsters that we kind of breed them and then give them away to our friends. And we've mm-hmm. tried farming a few times and uh, that doesn't always work out too well for us. We're, we're much better, I think, with the animals than we are with, with the plants and stuff. But I think one of the things that I would say, if you want to know who we are as a family, that really defines us is uh, my wife and I have been habitual entrepreneurs really since before we got married. And so right now we have three businesses between the two of us. We have the, the Junior Moneymakers podcast where we teach kids where money comes from, how to make it, and then what to do with it once they have it. And then my wife has a, a very successful photography business that she runs, which uh, is absolutely amazing. 
And then I run a martial arts business for kids as well. And then over the last 13 years, what we've lived here, we've done all kinds of crazy things. So we've sold antique furniture. We actually sold Mini Coopers on eBay for a little while. And my wife had an award-winning corporate gifts business that we sold before we left Alaska. So we've had all kinds of crazy adventures all over the world. I mean, we've been in Russia, China, Mexico, Korea, pretty much anywhere you can think of. We've had some crazy adventures. So it's, it's been a great ride for us so far. That's amazing. Just the thought of having visited all those places and lived in all those places and then started businesses in all those places. Just absolutely fascinating. How do your kids, uh, how do they feel about all that traveling? Are they embracing the adventures? You know, there's four of them. And so I think they're all a little bit different. So my son is, he's kind of like me. I think in a lot of ways, he likes to be home just as much as I do. But I think for the rest of them, it's all that they know, but I think that they really enjoy it. So the perspective that they have I don't think that they'll truly appreciate it until we move back to the States. I think when we go back to the States next year, they're going to be into a culture that they've never experienced before. And I think then they're going to really realize uh, just how fortunate I think that they were to travel around. But I I think they love it. The the lifestyle that we have here, the best thing that I could uh, attribute it to or or liken it to in the States is really like living in a small town. And so we we live in an area with a lot of people, but it's very quaint. It's very quiet. There's no billboards. And so we, we have a very simple and I think a very happy life here. So we love it. Great. That's yeah, that's amazing. The I don't know, just those different adventures that you've described in that kind of small town feel. I love that. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about how you started homeschooling and what made you decide to follow that path? Yeah, I mean, I could tell you in one sentence how <laughs> we started homeschooling. It might not be what you're looking for, but honestly, I, I think it was just I didn't want to fight. And so my wife, she was homeschooled her whole life. And I was a public school kid my whole life. So I was the bad kid that you see on TV or that you read about in newspapers. (laughs) And then we got married. And, you know, they say that one of the things you should agree on before you get married is is how you're going to raise your kids. And that was something we kind of didn't talk too much about. And I I always trusted that she knew what she was doing because she came from a really good family. But as the kids were born and it was time to make those decisions, she was very adamant. So God gave her a vision for where our family was going to go in that area. And it wasn't a vision that I had, but my vision really came from inside and and it wasn't a a spiritual vision that I'd been given. And so we had some pretty heated discussions and debates, but eventually I kind of just laid myself on the line and and trusted her. It was a very good thing that I did because if if I didn't, I can't imagine what our family would be like, let, let alone our kids. But as I matured as a Christian and as I matured as a father, really, in all honesty, there's no other way. So our worldview now is so intertwined with homeschooling, everything from our our politics, our religion, our view on what a family should be like. I can't imagine there really is just no other way. There's nothing that could get us to quit. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of homeschoolers end up kind of coming into it that way, not really sure that that's what they're completely convicted to do. But then, like you said, it starts to ingrain itself into all you do and becomes more of a lifestyle than an educational choice. That's right. And you know what? At the end of the day, you're not going to mess it up. Like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Like the studies show us that at the end of the day, we're we're not going to do worse than public school, right? So give it a shot. Spend some time with your family and and see what happens. Exactly. You might be surprised by what actually comes out of it. It might not be anything like what you anticipated it would be. Absolutely. All right. So tell us, a typical day with your family is most like which literary classic? This is a hard question to answer. So <laughs> Everybody says that. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm going to kind of, I'm going to say it's a romanticized version of Don Quixote. 
So oh. I, I kind of view Don Quixote as a tragedy. And so you read the book and, and it, it's kind of a sad story. But if you look at it in a different way, I think that my family is, they're dreamers, all of them, from my wife all the way to our two-year-old, I think. And I'll give you a really good example. So uh, we walked home, my wife and I went out to lunch today and we walked in the door and there was a big sign that said, you know, turn this way for face painting or basically face painting this way, 50 cents. And then my daughter handed me, you know, a, a coupon. My 11-year-old handed me a coupon for a free face painting session because she's trying to start her own face painting business. And so everyone in the house is really like the star of their own story and they're all chasing their dreams. Like if you look at my kids, they have YouTube channels, we have boxes of, of dress up. And, you know, every time I walk in the door, different, you know, there's different face painting and things going on. And I think we all just kind of follow each other on these crazy adventures all the time, but it brings us closer together. And I, I think it's one of the things that defines us. So I would say we're all kind of Don Quixote and then we're all kind of Sancho. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. And the vision of walking into your home to a face painting business all set up is just, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's fascinating. And it's what childhood should be, being able yes. to build on those those imaginations and and run with them. And so fantastic that you guys are able to cultivate that and and celebrate it with your kids. I love it. I thought that school meant that, you know, kids should be sitting at a desk and facing a chalkboard all day. And my wife just, she just had this different vision and I followed her down that path, thank God. And now I, I have an adventure every time I walk into my house. So it's great. And adventures are great. But let's talk about kind of the opposite of that. It's 2 a.m. You're lying in bed awake. What is it that keeps you up worrying about? This question was even harder. Like you really <laughs> got some good ones. <laughs> So first, I'm going to say that I, I really do sleep like the dead. Like I really don't stay up worrying. But if I was, I mentioned earlier that we're moving to the States in a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be closing down uh, multiple businesses. We're going to be starting over. And then our kids are their third culture kids. I don't know if you ever heard this term before. No. Uh, but mm -hmm. they're so third culture kids. They're as American as American gets. You know, they eat American cereal. They watch American TV, but they've never lived in America. And so being familiar with the culture and growing up in the culture are completely different. And so they're innocent in a way I think that most parents would like their kids to be, but they have a lot of new experiences that they're going to be heading into. I mean, just the idea of never having seen a billboard before mm. is it's they've never seen commercials because their TV comes from Netflix and Hulu. And so, you know, that is the thing I think that thinking about how we're going to maintain who they are and make sure they're prepared for that without opening the floodgate and, and letting them get washed away, I guess, if, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And that's something that, you know, most of us don't have to think about. We're constantly, you know, the rhetoric around here is how do we protect our kids from all those things they're bombarded with? And how do we insulate them and still allow them to have this childhood, you know, despite it? And you're able to do that because you don't have that constant bombardment. But that would be a big culture shock. That would definitely be something worrying. I can only imagine. Yeah, I think of it like sunscreen, right? So living in the States, you know, you're bombarded by these rays of the culture, but we don't have them. So we don't even need to put sunscreen on our kids that much over here. You know, we don't have to protect them from so many of those things because they're just not exposed to it. And maybe if they were, you know, your kids would have a tan and they wouldn't need as much sunscreen. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it does. It does. It's an interesting analogy. So, you know, kind of going along those lines, what when you're thinking about your kids and you're thinking about your homeschooling and your family life, what is the most important thing you want your kids to learn from you before before they leave as you've got all the, this time with them right now? Yeah. So my wife and I would probably answer this different. I didn't ask her, so I'm going <laughs> straight off the cuff. That's right. <laughs> so I think how to spot opportunity, oh. I think is one of the most important things that, that kids can really learn. And I, I think it'll serve them in, in any area. 
So all around us in life, we're, we're taking in stimuli and we're reading nonverbals and body language. And if we can learn how to spot opportunity, then we can capitalize on it. And so when we look at great people and the things that they've done, a lot of it has to do with preparation. And so, you know, they've been preparing, they've been going to school, reading and practicing. But when opportunity strikes, if they don't capitalize, then the ship just sails away with somebody else on it. And so when it comes to business, identifying needs in your community, identifying ways to serve people, you know, if you can spot those opportunities, you can capitalize. And same thing in ministry. So if you see what's happening in your community, you see where people need to be served. It's the difference between, you know, driving by when you see somebody on the side of the road or pulling over and and feeding them or giving them, you know, gift certificates to the grocery store, whatever you see. But if you don't learn how to look for those things, it'll be very difficult for you to capitalize on them. And even in our home, we talked just a little bit about culture and things. And when we look at our kids, you know, the right message at the wrong time won't be received. And so capitalizing on opportunity, you know, those teachable moments, this is all stuff that my wife is really good at. And I, I try to kind of latch onto her and learn from her as, as we've been married. But I think it's just so important and it, it applies to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point too. recognizing those teachable moments as well as the opportunities. You know, they it's really two sides of the same coin, right? You know, as a parent, you're trying to recognize those places where you can lead your child to those discoveries on their own, but then also teaching your child how to recognize those in their own life and and do something with it. Yeah. So I was a youth director for about five and a half, six years, and I'm a teacher and that's what I do. I got the heart of a teacher. So when my students and like my children, you know, when they fall down and there's, you know, they need a bandaid because they got a big cut. What I want to do is I want to yell at them and tell them, why are you running in the hallway? And that's, there's no opportunity for teaching anything there, right? First, we have to clean up the cut. We got to get a Band-Aid on it, talk about running in the house later. And so, you know, the, even those little things like that, I, I think, are extremely important. Right. And they're not little things. They can grow into bigger things when you don't fix the problem first. So let me ask you, that's a perfect lead into the next question. Every homeschool parent, mom, dad, every homeschool sibling, you have a bad day because it's not as great as it is and as great as the opportunities are, we don't always have, it's not all sunshine and roses. So how do you fix a homeschool day gone bad? How do you fix any day gone bad? Yeah. So there's this book, it's called The Christian Guide to Fighting for Your Marriage. And I I heard an interview with the authors once and they, they said something that really was enlightening to me personally. And it was that no couple has ever solved a fight uh, through a discussion. And what they meant by that was kind of the first thing that you have to do is you have to sit down with each other and say, okay, well, look, we love each other. Obviously, this fight is going to end. We're going to get through this. And so let's break down the barrier, treat each other civilly, hug it out. Then let's talk about what it is that's bothering us. And so I'd say that it kind of has to start with a hug. And I even had this uh, this morning with my own daughter where her and I were, were at an impasse. And I think the first thing, not I think, I know that the first thing that we had to do was, you know, have physical closeness, give each other a hug and, and kind of establish the fact that I was on her side and I valued her. And then we were able to move forward. And I think that sometimes we want first to have the reconciliation or to solve the problem before we have the reconciliation. And I think that sometimes acknowledging the fact that we love each other, we're family, we have the same goals, we want the best for each other, then we can move forward and fix whatever the problem is. Okay, that might just be my favorite part of any interview or any conversation I've ever had. I am going to score emblazon that like across my kitchen wall. Start with a hug. How brilliant is that? Because so many times we get caught up in the details of things and don't focus on the relationships. And okay, then, I'm going to take your quote and I'm going to put your quote on my wall <laughs> as well. <laughs> we need to have more conversations, Mark. Clearly. Yes. Deal. <laughs> that, 
That's perfect. Okay. So what would your kids, if I was talking to your kids now, what would they say is the best and or the worst part of being homeschooled? Okay. So I cheated and asked them. Also, so for both of them, for the oldest, for the youngest two, they don't they don't know kind of what homeschooling is yet. So, uh, but for the oldest two, they love how little time it takes. And I think if they had to pick the second, they would probably love the fact that they can do it in their pajamas. So that <laughs> that is without a doubt, they love it. And then my son, uh, he wouldn't change anything. But my daughter, she does like more time with her friends. So they do jujitsu and martial arts, and and they we do play dates. But she's incredibly social. So I think even if she was with her friends all day, it probably wouldn't be enough. So that's what I would, or that's what they would say. Okay. So what would you say? I think I would tackle that for my son. I feel like sometimes he's a boy growing up in the house, four girls all day. Mm -hmm. And so I think he needs, he needs some more dad time, but I think that would be regardless if it was a a homeschool or regular school. Yeah, that's, that's hard. I know my husband struggles with that too. Just getting time. Our oldest is a boy and getting time with him as he enters the teen years, you know, he's busy working and my son's busy doing all of his things. And yeah. That dad and son time is really, really important during those years. And getting it right is so important because the window that you have is so tiny. And, you know, your kids are so sensitive to things like body language and, you know, the tone of voice that you have when you respond to them, you know, wanting to spend time with you. And if they do want to spend time with you, like that's the most important thing in the world. So don't lose it. Don't give up on it. Right. I think that is so important and something, again, we forget, right? In the minutia of the day, we forget that we want to build relationships. One of my friends, here's another quote for you. One of my friends recently said to me, I'm not raising kids. I'm raising adults. I don't want them to be kids. I don't want them to have those values. I want them to be amazing adults. So I need to look to the future. And if they want to spend time with me now, I need to capitalize on that because I want them to take on what they're seeing in the adults around them and and be those people when they get older. Absolutely. So tell us, as a dad, fill in the blank, I really rock what? Okay. I totally make everything fun. That's my biggest strong suit. It might not be the most valuable one in our family, but it, it definitely helps. So, I mean, if, if you were to see us standing in line, say we're at Taco Bell or something like that, you know, I would be having playing games with the kids and involving people. And it, I just, I really make things fun with my kids. And I, I think that's why they like to leave the house with me a lot and stuff is we, we do really have a good time. And I'm super awesome at making pancakes. It's like my super specialty. Pancakes, huh? Yeah. Okay. Do you do like the fancy <laughs> pictures and things like that? Or is it just the, the flavor of them? Only on, only on special occasions. <laughs> I can do Mickey Mouse pancakes, but only on special occasions do we bust out the, the designs. Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. I think fun dad is, is a really important thing to be rocking. I think that's great. So you've got a lot of stuff going on. You're pulled in a lot of different directions, podcasts and businesses and a day job and homeschooling and four kids. How do you stay organized? Do you have tools, apps, resources, things that help you stay on top of everything and not drop balls? Caffeine. (laughs) And also also my Apple Watch, which uh, Siri, if you don't know, is a type of virtual assistant. So (laughs) when I got my Apple Watch, it started to be really easy for me to have her remind me of things. So, you know, you can just say, hey, Siri, tomorrow remind me of this or add a note to do that. And uh, that works really well. And I use Evernote a lot. Um, which is probably pretty basic. And then Apple Notes I use as well, but I'm not incredibly complicated. And uh, I really like having a plain old notebook. So I make little squares in my notebook and I write words next to them, sentences. And when I accomplish a task, I check it off. Mm-hmm. And that seems to work really well for me. I think that might be a guy thing. My husband has a a small, very small moleskin notebook that he keeps in his back pocket. And it is essentially an ongoing to-do list. He thinks of something, he writes yes. it down with a little checkbox. And when it gets filled up, he starts a new one. 
It's get a new notebook. Exactly. exactly. It's not $700. <laughs> right. That's his point, too. He's like, this is a cheap way. You've got, you know, your planner and you've got this and that. Although I love Evernote. Evernote is kind of speaks to my love language there, being able to like pull lots of different things in and have notebooks and sub notebooks and tags. I love that. So I think this December, I think in December, we're going to be hiring uh, our first virtual assistant. So I think we're going to get a, a virtual assistant who uh, is over in the Philippines mm-hmm. and uh, they'll do 40 hours a week for us, I think. And I think that is going to be the thing that allows us to really focus and, and go to the next level, especially the the podcast post-production is, it is so time intensive. Mm-hmm. And so getting out from having to do that, I think is going to be a game changer. Yeah, that's um, when I was interviewing Pam, whose podcast I'm hanging out at right now. We were talking about that, just being able to, when you have a business and you have children and you don't want to skimp on any of those things, having systems in place and assistance to help you with those is just being a smart entrepreneur, a smart business woman or man, and a smart parent, because then you're not sacrificing any of those things to do one. So tell me, your Junior Moneymaker podcast and site is all about kid entrepreneurship. So if my kids who are little budding entrepreneurs want to learn to do this and do this well, what is that first thing that a kid needs to learn to be an entrepreneur? Ah, so this is a great question. I think the the first thing that people need to know before they become entrepreneurs is where money comes from. And I think that if your kids understand where money comes from, it circles back to that skill I said earlier about finding opportunity. So once we understand that money comes from hard work, good ideas, but mostly from serving others. And that's the biggest thing that I teach my children and I want other people to understand is that money comes from serving others. If you provide value, People are going to pay you for the value you provide. Provide a lot of value, you're going to make a lot of money. Provide a little bit of value, you're going to make a little bit of money. And I think that once you grasp that idea, you start looking at the world a little bit differently. How can I make people's lives better? And that's what real entrepreneurs are trying to do. We say build a better mousetrap, but what we're really trying to do is help people catch mice more efficiently. And so I think we, we, we use that as an analogy, but that's the bottom line. If we can get our kids to understand that money comes from providing other people value, then they're going to start looking for ways to make it. And it really doesn't matter. If you're, if you're a cashier at the checkout, you are providing value to your customers, but you're really providing value to the company because you're, you're making people move through the line more efficiently and, and they're willing to pay you, you know, minimum wage to do that. Provide more value, make a lot more money. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I was going to talk to you a little bit about you know, why it's worth making time for. And you started to go on that. You started to talk about that, but I want to build on that a little bit yeah. because you said two okay. things in there. You said that a true entrepreneur looks for ways to make people's lives better. But then you also said that that cashier is still providing service for or make, helping her employer's life better. And so that's kind of, again, like I said earlier with that quote, two sides to the same coin. You know, you've got the people who help an entrepreneur run their business, and then you've got the entrepreneur that is doing the solving of the problems and finding ways to make the world better through their ideas. So tell me, why is it, what is the biggest value that you would say is in in that, I guess, inspiring that point of inspiring kids to look at the world to be the entrepreneur and not necessarily the person who works for the entrepreneur? Because there's nothing wrong with working for someone who's building a business. But why should we tell Definitely our kids? Not. Right. And you, we need that. Everybody, you know, we need differences in the world to make it go around. But what would I tell my kid who's like, I could just go get a job? What would I tell them is the best benefit to being the entrepreneur to create those jobs? 
So there's two sides of this. So there's the the one side I would love to answer as well, which is, okay, why, why do this versus something else from the parental perspective? Mm-hmm. And then there's the why do this from a kid's perspective? Like, right. gee, I would much rather play Legos or play video games. So what I talk to kids about, so my wife and I spend a lot of time when, when entertaining and we have friends over and in, inevitably I, I'm sitting down with their family talking about ways for their kids to make money. And I think I can summarize this really quickly. What is your time worth? If you tell me what your time is worth, I'm going to help you find a job or an entrepreneurial venture that's going to make that money for you. And so if you think that your time is worth minimum wage as a teenager, then go work for you know 40 hours a week and you can bag groceries or you can uh, work as a checkout or work at McDonald's. And there's nothing wrong with this perfectly honorable thing to do. But know that you're going to make $15 an hour. So for 10 hours before taxes, you're going to make $150 an hour or I can show you ways to make uh, to do work where you're going to make 40 to $60 an hour, work two to, to four hours and make the same amount of money. And so we're talking about working 40 hours a week or working four hours a week and coming out at the same cash point. And so when you can light somebody's mind or you can turn that light bulb on in somebody's head that they can use their time more, what would you do if you can free up the other, what, 34 hours a week? What would you do with those 34 hours? You would find ways to make more money or have more leisure or spend time with the people that you love, or you can use that to pay your way through school and study. And, you know, you can set yourself up to get a better job or or have the skills you need to start a better business. And so when it comes to the kid perspective, sitting down with kids and trying to get them to understand that their time is worth more than minimum wage and that nobody owes them minimum wage. I think that that is the thing that's been most successful for me for sure, because it is not hard. My wife and I look and say, well, we want our time to be worth about $150 an hour. So we start looking for opportunities to bring in $150 an hour and kids are no different and they're smart and they'll find ways. That's amazing. In fact, so I told you earlier before we went on air that I am away this weekend and I'm at a, a business retreat with friends, with fellow entrepreneurs. And we had almost the same discussion just last night. And I think it's such a, a powerful thing to bring that conversation down to our kids, right? That you can think this way too. Nobody owes you anything. Yeah. But your time is valuable and you've got amazing valuable. ideas to share. So bring us to the other perspective from to the parents who is asking, who is asking you to the parent who is asking you, why should I and bother? This is hard. <laughs> this is hard because this is ingrained. This is stuff that goes in, in generations. So if you're if you're a football family, then your grandpa was probably a football family and his grandpa was probably a football family. And this is kind of in the blood. But if I was to take it and, and use it objectively and put two baskets in front of you. And each basket is full of skills. And so this first basket is, uh, it's going to teach your kids how to be a team player. It's going to teach them adversity. It's going to teach them toughness, dealing with failure, physical fitness. These are all really, really good things. And this is a good basket that anybody would want their kids to have. But if I put a basket right next to it, that's going to teach kids all the same things. So all of those things are in there, but it's going to teach them self-discipline, accounting, marketing, customer service, how to file taxes, how to bounce back from failure how to capitalize on opportunity, and more importantly, how to make money. Which of those two baskets would you choose? Remove the football and baseball, remove all the other symbolism. Which one are you? Oh, and the first basket is going to take three to four weeks of practice, and it's going to soak up your weekends. Which one of those baskets would you want your kid to walk away with? And sweeten the pot a little bit, and I'll say this. These are not mutually exclusive things. We don't have to ditch one in order to get the other. So I'm going to give you two job. These are freebies. I'll give you two job ideas right here for your kids. So a lot of homeschool families have kids that are that practice music. So playing the piano or the guitar, it's a, it seems to be a very popular thing. So if your kid is pursuing music, they don't have to be a music teacher. It could be a practice partner. So they can start a little business in their, in their neighborhood 
where they simply go once a week to somebody's house and for 10 to $20 an hour, make their kids practice. And they only have to be a little bit better than the kids that they're helping. But I know that it can be a chore sometimes for parents to get their kids to practice and having the music teacher come multiple days a week might be too much. But having somebody show up for 10 bucks an hour to practice for a little while, I think a lot of parents would buy into that. And I I know they would because there's a lot of successful businesses that do it. And if your kid is into football, you have a teenager, you know, they do football practice and on the weekends are going to games. Why don't they run a fitness club on Saturday mornings? You can have all the kids in the neighborhood come over. You can have them do some push-ups, some sit-ups, go for a run, teach them a little bit about nutrition. They can have a test every month to see how, you know, to see how they're going and give the performer of the month, maybe have a medal for those kids. And you're going to make, if you have, you know, you have four kids and they're paying 10 bucks a week, that's 40 bucks an hour if it's a one hour club. And so it's not difficult to take the skills that your kids already have and transform them into money. It's just looking at it a different way. We don't have to think that, you know, opening a business is going to take 50 hours a week, just an hour a week. It can be like babysitting, but, you know, on steroids. Right. I love that. I always say that homeschooling is parenting on steroids because it doesn't ever end. (laughs) No, that's great. And it's such an amazing way to look at it because I think even as adults, when we're thinking about the potential of starting a business or the idea that we can go into business for ourselves, we get overwhelmed because the things that we do are just the things that we do. They don't feel special because they're just us. And But if somebody's on the outside looking in, it is very special because it's not their skill set. So having somebody go practice with you or start a club like that. Those are amazing. But like you said, very simple ideas that you're just thinking about things from a different perspective. That's why you got to look for opportunities and you want your kids to feel special. So look for the special in your kids. So tell us about your own kids. You mentioned the face painting. Do they have active businesses right now and or are they kind of dabbling or but what what do some of the the things that they're doing look like right now? So they have a few. They're little hustlers as well. So uh, my daughter has she has a sign making business. And so uh, we have a friend who rents out B&Bs. And so she makes signs for her and then she gives those away to her customers. So when somebody stays at their bed and breakfast, then they'll get kind of a gift. And that's pretty successful for that's the most profitable business that she's ever had. And it's it's one of those things where networking and who you know, uh, it really is. It, it makes all the difference. And then I teach a martial arts class on Thursday nights. And they're responsible for kind of stocking a, a, their own fridge. And this was their idea. So they do ice cream sales, which is cool. And then they both have their own YouTube channels. And so they're working on monetizing those. So uh, JT has a Lego, JT Bricks channel, and then KT Toys Reviews. So she does all kinds of toys, mostly Lego, but she does other things. And then my son, he is a pretty amazing eBayer. And so he made, you know, he makes 500 plus dollars every few months, uh, which he uses to mostly buy Lego. (laughs) That was my son's goal. He wanted to make money to buy more Lego. I don't know that we can fit more Lego in our house. We have a whole room. (laughs) <laughs> so do we. That's yeah, crazy. It is. And yeah, it's just crazy because there's always more you can I mean, there's always more you can do with it. So it's okay. It's an open-ended creativity yep. booster, but yeah, Legos, they're everywhere. I love that. And I'm gonna have to make sure that we link to your kiddos YouTube channels in the show notes of this this episode. But eBay is amazing too. Um we were just actually speaking of Lego, we were talking to my son about that. He's approaching 15 and some of his Legos have been collecting dust for a while because he's starting to move on. And yeah, just taking what you have and, and looking to eBay or other things. It's, it's just amazing to me. But I want to hear about some of the wacky ideas. So you have a podcast where you interview kids and their parents about some of the businesses that they do. And then I'm sure your kids have come up with some of the some funny and creative kinds of businesses. 
So tell me some of the wackiest or most creative ideas you've heard for kids, heard of for kids' businesses. So kids have pretty amazing ideas. So I see a lot of different things, but kind of the craziest one or one that that seems to have gotten off really well. I don't know. Are you familiar? You know who Jenny Craig is? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Jenny Craig's first job, she was actually a fly catcher. And so this is a job that I've given my own kids. Like when we get, we have a lot of land here. So when the farm or when all the flies uh, start flying around, it can get unbearable. And so we'll tell the kids, all right, 10 cents a fly. And if it's really bad, we'll tell them 20 cents a fly. And so they'll spend all this time counting up all the money that they're making. But Jenny Craig, who has this, you know, nutrition empire, her first job was actually smashing flies. That's what she did. And her, her parents would pay her. And so they were her employer, but it taught her the skills that she needed. Every fly that she caught, she knew what the value was for sure. So I thought of all the things that I've ever heard, I thought that was that was pretty kind of wacky. I love that idea, though. I'm thinking, wow, it's that time of year that we get some flies in our house right now. Hmm. Yeah. Got four kids. We used to pay our kids to pick up sticks. We had some property and we're in a smaller okay. house right now, but we would pay them. Yeah. Like a nickel a stick. And they would go out there for a long time and our yard would be cleared of sticks before we had to cut the grass. It was great. That's awesome. <laughs> So what are, um, for listeners out there who are now, you know, their appetites are whetted for this, what are some of those critical skills you think that kids today need to learn before they can head out into the world and be tomorrow's entrepreneurs? All right, I'm going to, I'll make these quick, but I, I think that there's three things uh, that I focus on on my show. So every episode will we'll hit on one of these topics. And so the first one is where money comes from. And so I, I talked already, so I won't, I won't rehash, but money comes from providing value to others. So people don't owe us anything. Nobody owes us a paycheck and nobody is just going to hand us a stack of cash just because we left the house. And so this is a big deal. Our kids need to understand that money doesn't just magically appear in our parents' wallets and that cars don't just magically appear in the driveway. And so the sooner we teach them that, the better. So in our house, our kids have all their necessities and we bless the pants off of them. I mean, we buy them toys and presents, but if they want spending money, they absolutely have to earn it. So there's no way to get money in this house other than by doing some type of work for it. And so that's a, a very important lesson. And I think a lot of people neglect that one. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us had it hard growing up. And so we overcompensate, but our kids grow up not knowing where money comes from. And, and that makes the next two lessons really hard and very hard to understand. So the second thing is uh, how to earn money. And so we talked a little bit about a few ideas, but I'll, I'll break it down into a couple categories. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a book that breaks these down really well if people want to follow up on them. But you can work for someone else which is we talked about being a bagger or working as a, a cashier or, a, or at McDonald's. You can own your own business or you can invest and you can have passive income. So a podcast is a really good example of passive income. So every episode you have, if you have a sponsor, anytime somebody listens to that episode, they may go back and buy through the affiliate link. And so after your podcast is gone, if it's evergreen, you can continue making money off of that for a long time. So um, none of those are wrong and they're all in, in, you know, inherently moral, honorable things to do. But those are the different ways that we earn money. So letting them experience those ways and, and understand their strengths and weaknesses is, is super important. And then the third thing is what to do with money once they have it. And so we teach the kind of the time tested spend, save and give. Mm -hmm. And it's just as it's just as important to teach your spenders to save as it is to teach your savers to spend and how to spend appropriately. And then how to give is it is so important to teach your kids to be generous to think of others and to set aside money, physical, tangible money that they're going to spend on somebody else and not themselves. And it, it just opens up their heart and it transforms them and, and makes them into a different person. So these are three things, I think, where money or where money comes from, how to earn it and what to do with it once they have it. If you teach them those three things, 
there's a lot of skills that are going to kind of fall in with those. They'll get caught up in the tide. So besides starting, because those are great and those are beautiful and perfect. And I love that. What other kinds of things besides telling our kids to go start a business can we do to encourage some of those? Just like a couple quick things that we could do to encourage that where money comes from, how money should be spent and what we should do with or where it comes from, how to earn it and what we should do with it once we have it. It's a great question. So I'll give you two that that we have done with our older kids and then some that we do with like our two-year-old that gets them on the path. So find ways for them to provide value for you and pay them for it and or find your neighbor. So I'll give you an example. I, I take my kids to the grocery store and moms do this every day. Four kids in the grocery store and, you know, nobody turns an eyes. But when a dad does it, this is like headline news, right? So <laughs> I take my kids to the grocery store and it's hard. And so I learned uh, really easy that or really early that I was paying the bagger like three to five dollars just to carry my groceries to the car. But my two oldest kids are really hustling for me in the grocery store and they're getting nothing. And so I, I talked to them and I'm like, hey, if you guys help me in the grocery store, I'll start paying you a dollar at the end of it. So when I tip the bagger, I'll give you money. And this like lit up their eyes because this was an opportunity to earn spending money. And they've been phenomenal ever since. And so they always go into it and they're looking for that dollar afterwards, but they never ask for it. But they always get it because they do a, a good job. Another one is uh, we're very big yard sellers. We like love to go to flea markets and, and rummage sales. And but every time we would go, you know, I like to take the family out to lunch because we're hungry and we're out all day and we'll spend like 40 or 60 bucks just eating. And so I talked to my two oldest kids and I was like, well, hey, if you guys make lunches before we leave, you know, I'll give you each a buck. And so they love that idea. And so in the morning, they'll wake up and they'll make lunch for the whole family. I'll save like $38 <laughs> and they make a dollar each. And so it's an easy way for them to make money and provide value. But they're learning all of those things. They're learning where money comes from, comes from work, providing value. They're learning how to make it. So in that case, they're exchanging their labor and then they've got that dollar. And so they learn what to do with it. We use three jars, which is an online program where we deposit their money and it, it splits it into the kind of the jars for them automatically. But yeah, those are good for the little ones. Very simple things like, hey, we're going to clean up the kitchen or we're going to clean up your toys and you're going to get a quarter after. And then at the end of the week or at the end of the month, they can trade you all their quarters for, you know, a little cheap toy or a little Lego set or something that and they know that their hard work led to uh, getting that toy. But little things like that are things that you could do. They don't cost you much. We we put it in our budget. And so I, I think $30 every payday goes into a, an envelope I use to pay the kids. And it, it just kind of builds up and they, they know where to get money. That's great. I would have never thought about that lunch thing. And I'm totally stealing that idea this week. That's I totally saved you a bunch of cash. You have saved me not only that, but the frustration of trying to get someone to gather <laughs> snacks and stuff against their will. That's amazing. Because yeah. I have one daughter who does a lot of that stuff instinctively. And now she's going to be rewarded from it. And then hopefully the others will follow suit. I love it. Yes. All right. Yes. Are you ready for a, a quick kind of pop quiz here? I think I am. All right. So say the first thing that comes to your mind, you just received an Amazon gift card. What are you spending it on? I'm getting another Apple Watch because I think my <laughs> two-year-old lost mine. Oh, no. That's awful. Yeah. I had a Fitbit for a very short period of time before my son helped, <laughs> helped me forget it somewhere. I just disappeared. That's awesome. Yeah. Favorite family game night game? Uh, we do like Pandemic or Flashpoint. So they're cooperative games where like the family either wins or loses together. So we like games like that. I love Pandemic. That's a great game. Oh, sweet. Best way to spend the day with your kids? Okay, Disney World. But if we can't do Disney World, then go into the pool. Like going to the pool is their favorite thing to do. It's not always my favorite thing, but it's definitely there. So uh, that's what I would do. And then it wears them out. So you get a good night's sleep out of them. Yeah, exactly. 
What are you reading right now? So all my books are almost audible books. So I think I'm, I have a book called Ask by Ryan Levesque. Yeah, and that's then good. Never, oh, good. And then uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Boss. Okay. I got to look that one up because if you're reading it's Ask, that's probably good one book. I like. Another good one, uh, if you're into entrepreneurial type books, Launch. Jeff, yes, Jeff, I just finished. Is it Jeff Walker, I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, 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 good ones. Oh yeah, I just I was gonna mention that one, but I just finished it, so I, I didn't think I didn't think I could say that one. Sure. Okay, fill in the blank. I've got to have blank to get me through the day. Black tea. I'm like I went my I've never had coffee my whole entire life ever, not even one cup. And then uh, like two years ago, I fell into black tea, and I drink like five cups or six cups a day. It's really bad. I have a cup in front of me that I'm just waiting to finish right now. I'm just staring at it. <laughs> That's your uh, your favorite form of caffeine. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I love caffeine. I'm sorry. Caffeine is just, <laughs> it makes the world go around. Mark, this has been a lot of fun. Can you do me a favor? Tell listeners where they can find you online. Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to my website at juniormoneymakers.com. You can listen to the show uh, right on the page there. An easy way as well is to go subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. So we should pop up on some other avenues, but iTunes and Stitcher were definitely there. And then if you want other money-making tips and tricks, if you go right to my front page, there's an area to put your name and your email address. And I try to send something out every week with just a, a tip or a trick on there. So, but the podcast, it's full of stuff. If you liked anything that I said today, definitely something for you and the kids to listen to. Great. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to sharing your show with my oldest son. He's definitely, he, he's definitely going to love it. And I look forward to sharing that with him. Thank you so much. This interview was great. And I really enjoyed talking to you. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This was really awesome. Well, there you have it. All you need to know to start your kids on the path to entrepreneurship. You can find all the resources that Mark and I talked about today on Pam's website at pambarnhill.com forward slash HSP53. You can find out more about me on my website, raisinglifelonglearners.com. And I'll be back in a couple weeks with another great episode where I'll interview another homeschool parent to take a peek inside the windows of their homeschool. Join us then. And in the meantime, enjoy your kids, have a great time, and keep on homeschooling.